All right. It's going to be a great Sunday, and I'm glad you're with us. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Seth, and uh, I'm excited about this season that we are in and the series we're in. We've been in a vision series, and uh, last night, this building looked a little different. Uh, All these chairs were gone. Hey, would you make some noise if you came to the Fall Fest last night? It was awesome. And uh, I know the kids are still hype uh, from last night. They ate a lot of candy, so I apologize if your kids stayed up all night. Ours did as well, and uh, they ate lots of candy. This place smelt like uh, chili and Razorback fans. It was awesome. And uh, I read this scripture. I want to share this with you. Psalm 30, verse 5, it says, Weeping may last for the night, but what do you know? Joy comes in the morning. Can I get an amen? But also check this uh, picture out. Y'all throw that picture up there. It says, Football may last through the night. But basketball comes in the morning. Can I have an amen? All right. <laughs> oh, man. The first service did not like that at all. And, uh, man, I, I'm excited to be in the house of God with you this morning. Last Sunday, I had the honor of just sitting back in the sound booth and watching what God did in this place through the Next Gen Takeover. If you missed last Sunday, I highly encourage you to go back and, and watch what God did. We had uh, students from our middle school ministry all the way down to kid life. They had, we had a kid's choir. They were up here turning up. It was awesome. And uh, we heard testimonies of what God is doing through the college ministry, the high school ministry, the middle school ministry. Uh, did y'all have a good time with that last Sunday? It was amazing. And uh, it was just fun. Uh, it's one thing to say we believe in the next generation. It's another thing to see the next generation leading the church. And uh, it was exciting. It was one of my favorite Sundays uh, that I've ever experienced at New Life Church. And um, to be honest with you, this morning, I did not think I'd be preaching this morning. Uh, so if the message is bad, just blame it on that. Um, we were expecting our daughter to come into the world this week. We, uh, we are so excited to welcome our uh, daughter, Wonder Grace, into the world. And uh, we're praying that she is so peaceful and calm and she will balance the other two out. Can I get an amen? All right. <laughs> and uh, our kids got a lot of energy. Uh, Zane and Haven. But be praying for Kendra, because it's any, any day now. I actually turned to Micah, our, our youth and college pastor, and I said, hey, buddy, uh, if Kendra goes into labor during this service, you're going to come up, and you're, you just open the book of Acts and start reading, all right? He's like, are you serious? I said, I am dead serious. <laughs> so let's pray that doesn't happen, or we'll have a good show from uh, Micah today. That'll be, that'll be great. But uh, I, I was laughing, thinking about uh, Haven with our daughter, because Haven is our two-year-old. She is, she is wild. And uh, she's got a lot of energy and a lot of strength, and we're praying that God really reigns that in. Um, She has these little doctor tools that she operates on her stuffed animals with, and I just want to let y'all know she has no bedside manner whatsoever. Uh, She is rough. She will. She's always doing surgery on these animals, which leads me uh, to tell you what Zane did a few nights ago. He comes in. Actually, it was was early in the morning. He wakes Kendra up, which he still doesn't wake me up, which is awesome. Um, He shakes her, wakes her up, and he's like, Mommy, Mommy, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. She's like, you know, kind of freaking out a little bit. She could tell he was very concerned. He was afraid, and she leans up in bed, and, and Zane says, I want Jesus to come into my heart. Yeah, before y'all say, oh, it did not go the way you think, all right? Uh, He is still a sinner and needs grace today, 
Uh, he did not get saved. Uh, we're praying for that. But he, he's like, I want Jesus to come into my heart. And Kendra's like, this is the moment, you know, like we've been sharing the word and the gospel with Zane and, you know, being a pastor's kid, like we don't want him to ever feel pressured into anything, but we want to present the word of God to him and let him make an, a decision. But he tells Kendra, I want Jesus. He says, well, why do you want Jesus to come into your heart? And and he's like, I'm scared. I'm so scared. And he was like, he was like trembling. And Kendra's like, what is wrong? And he, in his mind, his tiny little mind, he thought that his sister with her little operating tools was going to have to cut him open. And Jesus was going to have to like literally come into his heart. And uh, we were like, son, that is not the gospel. And uh, I don't know what church you've been going to, son, but that ain't it. You know, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to try to present the gospel a little better than that today. Um, y'all pray for my family if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is the direction we're headed today. The title of the message is, It Will All Be Worth It in the End. It will all be worth it in the end. We're going to open up Matthew 25. It'll be on the screen um, if you don't have a Bible. And if you need a Bible, the Welcome Center out there, you can grab one of those on your way out. Um, we'd love to bless you with one of those. Matthew 25, verse 14, it says, Again, it will be like a man that is going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Uh, to one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, he gave two bags. And to another, he gave one bag, each according to his ability. That's a good thing to underline. Then he went on his journey. And the man who had received five bags of gold, he went out at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Uh, lean, tell your neighbor, say, we're going to talk about money today. So you can go ahead and get super tense at the beginning of the service. Um, we're going to talk about money, and it's going to be great, I promise. Uh, so also the one with, with two bags, he went out and he gained two more. But the man who received one bag, he went off and he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Uh, this is all in red letters, by the way, because uh, anytime in the Bible you read red letters, this is Jesus talking. And I've always learned um, in my short term of following Jesus that when Jesus is talking, your boy needs to be listening. When Jesus is speaking, we need to take note of what he is talking about. And so I want us to do that today. In these times, just to give you some context, uh, a master would leave or the boss would leave and uh, the owner would leave and then he would entrust his possessions with people. It's not like what we have set up today. So you have bank accounts and all those things. He would leave his possessions with a couple guys and it's, they called them talents. Would you write this down? Talents. This is not your gifts or your abilities or the strengths that you have. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. This is specifically talking about a large sum of precious metal. Uh, some believe between 100 to 200 pounds of gold in this text. Uh, I was reading one theologian that believes uh, this is about, for one talent, this is 20 to 30 years of a person's wages. That's a lot of money. Um, and so this is a lot, of thing, a lot of money, a lot of his possessions that he was entrusting to his servants. So he finds these three servants, just trying to paint the picture for you, and he entrusts them based upon their ability to steward it. A simple motto that we try to live by in the Tomboli household, we're still trying to teach our kids this, it's, it's not going well yet, uh, but it's this, we leave places better than we found it. It's this, leave it better than you found it. This is people, leave them better than you found them. 
This is places. You walk into somewhere, there's trash on the ground. Our kids know we pick up trash. We, if we didn't put it there, we're going to leave places better than we found them. When we're given things, I want to be able to steward it well and leave it better than I found it. So I want to zoom out 10,000 feet and look at what's happening before this text and after in Matthew 25. Leading up to this passage, Jesus is talking about the end times. Uh, I think it's a good time to be talking about the end times as a church because we know that there is a lot going on in the world. Uh, Prophecies are being fulfilled from thousands of years ago, and it's pretty crazy, right? Um, I believe that God's house will continue to fill up um, and it's, it's a good time to be in the house of God. This is what Jesus keeps saying. Keep watch because we do not know the time, right? Keep watch. Jesus goes on to tell them a story at the beginning of Matthew 25 of 10 virgins, the oil and the lamps. And he turns and he says, keep watch because you do not know the day and the hour of the return of Christ. He's empowered the disciples to do something. We know it is the greatest commandment, which is love God and love people, your neighbor. Some of y'all are like, I don't like my neighbor. Love them anyways. So the greatest commandment, and then it's the great co-mission, meaning that we are in this thing together to accomplish a mission for the sake of Christ, to go into the world, to make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then what does he say? Teach them to obey everything. Y'all say everything. Because we live in a world today where people just want to teach some things and not everything. Everything that I've commanded, and surely I will be with you to the end of the age. It's this promise that we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. And so here we are today. We sit in the tension of trying our best to live for the Lord, but also awaiting the return of the Lord. How many of you know that Jesus is returning, right? So in summary, we are the servants in this story. Jesus is the master that has left for a while, and he has entrusted us based upon our ability to steward it. He's given them this story, and I want us to insert ourselves into this parable that he's telling the disciples. God has left us with a lot of things to steward while he's away. So we are called to stewardship. Would you write this down? Write down stewardship. Stewardship. God is the owner, and we are the managers, This is an opportunity, an invitation from the Lord to join in his redemptive work that is happening throughout the entire globe. It's amazing. We get to partner with the creator of the universe to make a kingdom impact. This is crazy to me. So stewardship, what it does is it expresses our obedience and our trust in God. So God blesses us with things, and it is our responsibility to use those things wisely to bring him glory. Y'all tracking with me so far? And so maybe you've grown up in church. I did not. I always joke about it. I didn't go to Sunday school. I was in Saturday school. That was me. Uh, But maybe you grew up in church and you've heard these three words that we're about to say. I don't want you just to go numb today when you hear this. I want you to press in and ask the Lord uh, what step he wants you to take. So it's three words, time, talent, and treasure. Time, talent, and treasure. I want to ask you a question. How devastating would it be For God to have all of your talents and your abilities, but you don't give him your time. Or how devastating would it be if you give God your time, but you don't trust him with your treasure, your finances? And so we're going to talk about this tension today. And the question is, how are we stewarding the things that God has entrusted us with? 
And I just want to ask you, there is no pressure attached to this message, by the way. Um, I love our church and our approach when it comes to giving. Um, We have a lot of faithful families and members of this church that make this thing happen. There is not a sugar daddy that is just pulling this thing off. It is a bunch of families that are making this thing. And I just want to say thank you for the way that you serve by giving. But I do know that this was an area when I first got saved that I wrestled with for years. And I just want to encourage you to wrestle with this today. Matthew 25 picks up like this. It says, the man in verse 20, who had received five bags of gold, he brought the other five. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and now I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold, he came. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Now I will put you in charge of many things. Come share in your master's happiness. I want to pause. I think it's awesome that those two guys had different amounts, but they both were, they both were faithful with those amounts, and God blessed them the same. I love this, but we're going to read about the third servant. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah, you're right. Verse 24, then the man who received one bag of gold came, and master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, that you harvest where you have not sown, and you've gathered where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid, circle that in your Bible or your notes, I was afraid we're going to come to that at the end. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest. He's asking the question. So you knew that I harvest where I have not uh, gathered or sown or gathered where I have not scattered seed. And it says, well, then you should have put your money on deposit with the banker so that When I returned, I would receive it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. I'm going to explain all this. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That escalated quickly, right? (laughs) I read that, and I'm like, wow, that... Oh, how the tables have turned. It's it's really easy just to read parts of the Bible and be encouraged by them. But if we want to teach everything that the Lord has commanded, then we need to read the whole story. Amen? And so I want us to find ourselves in this story today. And I want to remind you with what we started with, it will all be worth it in the end. I pray today that we can see the difference between two statements, and y'all can throw those up. Everything I have is mine versus everything I have is God's. Everything I have is mine versus everything that I have is God's. So right now at this part of the service, you may be saying or thinking, well, Seth, I work very hard for what I have, and I want to tell you the Lord commends you for that. Well, Seth, I've earned everything my whole life, and I've, I've always had to, to work hard. I've always had to do a lot of things. I've always had to sacrifice. What I have is mine. What's mine is mine. And I, I just want to say before we go any further, I'm not arguing with you today, and I'm not trying to prove a point today. I'm telling you what the Word of God says, and I want to ask you to pray about it 
I want to give you an example of this principle of what we have as gods. For the last 10 years, I've picked up the hobby of woodworking and uh, leather working. I, I love making things out of leather and out of wood. Anybody like to make things out of their, with their hands? Like, I just love it. I like, some of y'all are really Pinteresting and y'all just like do all these little cute things. And uh, some of you have tried to make those things and you epically failed and there's grace for you. It's okay. Uh, but I love woodworking. The, the conflict with woodworking is I drove a Toyota Camry. And so w- what that meant is every time I would go to the lumber yard, I would park behind Home Depot so the contractors and people with big trucks didn't see me trying to put two-by-fours and two-by-eights in my Camry. But how many of y'all want to know I made it work? I had, I had the seats laid down and the lumber all the way through, and I was looking around so nobody was making TikTok videos of me um, doing this. But I would take it. I would make farm tables and all these things, and then I got into leather work. I, I just love it. But I want to I tell you, um, I learned that... And if you have a truck, you, you already have heard this before. I learned it's way easier if you just ask somebody, hey, can I borrow your truck? And all the truck owners just, you know, you know exactly what that's like. It's like, you ain't texted me in two years. Now you're trying to use my truck? And so my, uh, our, my neighbor, our worship pastor, Pastor Andrew, has a truck, and I'll text him every now and then, and, hey, man, can I go pick up some lumber, or, hey, I need to get some stuff, take it to the dump, or whatever. And he's always so gracious. He's like, absolutely, you know, come use it. So I want to paint a picture for you. Imagine I show up, I get Andrew's keys. Hey, man, can I use your truck? Yeah, absolutely. I take his truck. I go get the lumber. I come back home, and you're like, I, I'm like, man, you know what? I really like this truck. I like it so much, I think I'm going to keep it. And not only am I going to keep it, I'm going to park it in my driveway. I'm not even going to text Andrew about it. And then he's, he's texting me. He's calling me. Hey, bro, like, what's, what's going on? I, I need to, I got to drive to the church. You know, you got my truck. And, and then eventually I hear a knock on the door. I answer the door. Hey, man, what's up? Andrew says, dude, where's my truck? And I'm like, oh, dude, hey, thank you for letting me use that. I know you were just lending it to me for a little bit, but I decided I'm just going to keep it. What do y'all think Andrew would do? He wouldn't be our worship pastor anymore because he would kill me, right? Like, <laughs> he'd probably punch me in the face. Like, what do you mean you're going to keep my truck? Like, so he would take his keys back or he would be completely confused because he lent it to me, but I decided that it's mine now. And I just want, I know that's a very silly illustration, but this is what we do when we take what God has given us and we say, oh, this is mine now. It's mine. With our time, with our talent, and with our treasure. And so my prayer is that we would not take the keys to the truck, metaphorically speaking, and that we would ask God to show us where we can take a step towards him. Our our perspective is everything. Would you all agree in life? Perspective is everything. Perspective changes the way that we understand that everything we have is from God. Not everything is mine. And, and y'all, for years of my life, I got this wrong. First Peter 4, this is what it says in verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, work hard. I love that. God loves when you work hard. Work hard as for the Lord and not for men. Would you write this down? Steward God's talent and time. Steward God's talent and time. If you notice, I actually changed it. It did say steward your talent and time, but that goes against the whole message today. 
because it's a perspective shift. This is God's talent. This is God's time that he's entrusted to us. And we are called to steward it. This is our personality. This is our gifts. This is our strengths and our abilities. And I want to pause. Everybody look at me real quick. Matthew 25 is not talking about your time and your, your personal strengths and your talents. It's talking about money. But I want to help you become aware that all three of these things I think the church is wrestling with. It's giving God time. It's giving God our first and our best of our time, giving God our abilities, the strengths that he put inside of us from day one of breathing, and then also our treasure, which we will talk about in a little bit. For many years of my life, I used all of my gifts and abilities to bring glory to myself. I was so prideful and arrogant, and this was, I was very far from God, but God radically saved me and helped me understand everything I've put in your life, I have put it there so you can build my kingdom and not your own. So I found myself in my life being faithful with little, hear me, and asking God for much. I was faithful with little, or I was unfaithful with little, and I was asking God for much, and it goes against the spiritual principle, the biblical principle, when you are faithful with little, he will entrust you with much. But the reality is, is as humans, you guys, we are, we're, we're selfish in nature. Have y'all ever noticed you don't have to teach a kid how to be selfish? Anybody got kids? They're born that. They just come out of the womb mad and want that what everything I have is my, I mean, I'm telling we're working with our kids right now about this, that we were born into rebellion and sin and brokenness, the depravity of humanity, and I get a full view of it with my children. I love them to death, but I can give Zane a blue yogurt at the dinner table, a blue yogurt. I can give Haven a yellow yogurt. What do y'all think is going to happen? I want the yellow yogurt. I want the blue yogurt. It's like they taste the same. They're just different colors. No, I want that one. I want that. I can give one of them a Barbie, and the other one, a toy car, and what do you think is going to happen? I want the car, or I want the Barbie. I could give them both the same exact thing. Have you all seen this before? I give them the same thing, and the first thing they do is they look at what the other one's got. Why does this happen? Listen, I did not teach them how to do that as their father. We are born into the brokenness. It is depravity. We need God, and we need to fix our eyes on him. We are selfish by nature. And so if you progress throughout the years, none of it changes if you don't line it up with Scripture. And so I'll say it this way. People ask me all the time. I did youth ministry for a long time before moving up here two years ago. And people say, well, Seth, what's the difference between youth ministry and adult ministry? And I just say everybody just gets older. Because it's the same issues, just different things. It's the same sin issues in different areas of life. This is what I've realized. I have noticed that so often we do not use the gifts that God has given us because we are too busy comparing our gifts to someone else's. We look over the fence. Well, they got that. Well, God Gave them the ability to sing. I do this with Andrew all the time. I wish I could sing. Y'all don't want me leading worship. I'm telling you. But how silly would it be to compare my gift to somebody else, even people we don't know? Some of us spend our days scrolling through social media, crippling ourselves by comparing the thing that God has put inside of us compared to somebody else. We don't even know. So what does this mean? Comparison is the thief of joy. You've heard this. And it is the assassin of your purpose. If you want to know how to kill your calling, compare it to somebody else's. 
If you want to know how to stay stuck in exactly the place that you are today and not take steps with the Lord throughout your life, building his kingdom and not your own, then compare your gifts and your talents and your calling and your ability to everybody else's. What he wants you to do is say, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm going to use the things that God has placed in my life to build his kingdom. There's two things you can do with what God's given you. I want you to write this down. You can waste it or you can invest it. You waste it or you can invest it. Verse 19 in that story, it says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. It lines up with Romans 14, 12. It says, each of us will give an account of himself to God. So my goal today is not to provoke fear in anyone. You can do that just by watching the news, all right? My goal is to tell you that there is hope and there is joy that is found in Jesus Christ, and life is way better operating in the gifts that he's given you to bring him glory and not yourself glory. He wants you to use those things to build his house. I'll ask you a question. If you knew that God was returning soon, would your life look different today? I know mine would. My prayer is that we would have a church that nothing would change about your life if you knew God was returning tomorrow because you're already doing it today. That's a bold prayer, but I'm praying that. I believe it in faith that it's possible. Jesus is coming back. That may have been him on the roof. I don't know. (laughs) Steward God's treasure. Will you write that down? Steward God's treasure. This is your finances. This is your money. A famous theologian once said this, Mo money, mo problems. I may need that handheld, guys. Mo money, mo problems. Uh, I read this quote. This is a great question. Uh, the basic question is not how much of our money should we give to God, but how much of God's money should we keep for ourselves? I'm going to read it one more time just in case you missed it. The basic question is not how much of our money should we give to God. Gracias. The question, there we go, is how much of God's money should we keep for ourselves? My mom always told me, Seth, you're either going to have money or money is going to have you. Said no matter how much money you have one day, it doesn't dilute or get rid of your problems. Some of y'all are like, well, I think it would get rid of my problems. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about that. If, I think God knew that we would be tempted with money. I think God knew that we would be tempted with possessions. There's over 2,000 scriptures about money and possessions in the Bible, which is twice as many as faith and prayer combined. 16 out of 38 of Jesus' parables deal with money and possessions. Nearly 25% of Jesus' words in the New Testament deal with biblical stewardship. God has so much wisdom around this topic because he knew that it would be difficult for his kids. He knew it would be difficult and a temptation just to keep it all for ourselves. So when it comes to treasure and our money, I want you to get this. We will either worship wealth or we will worship with our wealth. Meaning we will give God glory with our finances or we will focus and worship our wallet. Uh, When my family, if I could just tell you about how we do things, and this isn't to get a pat on the back because we haven't always done things well. There were many years of our life that we were awful stewards of God's finances that he entrusted us with, along with our time and along with our talents. But we ask three questions 
as we are looking at our finances, we ask the question number one, what is for worship? So if we're looking at finances out of this, how are we going to worship God with this? And this is what we do. We tithe. We tithe. We could take 10 weeks and teach about tithing and teach about money, but my prayer is that you can get it in 10 minutes today, okay? Because I think the church should talk about money more. I'm thankful that we don't talk about money all the time. Can I have an amen? Yes, I figured it would sound that way. It's, it's a non-negotiable for our family. This isn't to put pressure on you. I'm going to tell you what we do as we read the word of God what we have realized and what we decided day one of our marriage almost eight years ago is we're going to bring our first and we're going to bring our best to the, to the Lord, period. That, and and we're, that is worship. This is an act of worship, surrender, and trust, and obedience to God. Now, the next part, some of y'all are going to think I'm a lunatic, and I'm just going to tell you, all right? Our favorite thing to do as a family is when we get to give above the tithe. So what does that mean? That means giving above the 10%. I'm going to read about it here in a second, teach you where that came from. It's giving above that amount. Some of you are like, well, that sounds really crazy, Seth. I understand. Being generous is a crazy concept, especially in the world we live in today. Would you all agree? One of our favorite things is when we have extra margin to go on a mission to find someone who could be blessed by it. And we don't want the credit. We want God to get the credit. And so I remember when we were college and youth pastors, we'd find people or families that had specific needs. Maybe it was groceries. Maybe you're checking out behind someone in Walmart and you realize, hey, this is a single mom with four kids and you can make a huge impact with 70 bucks. You could change her life. Or maybe it is in Starbucks. Maybe this doesn't happen to you. Or, some, hey, somebody paid for your coffee in front of you. This has happened recently to me. But maybe you get to start that trend. And it's five bucks where you get to be generous above what you already give back to God. I just want to challenge you to look for opportunities to be generous. When uh, we started walking with the Lord and Kendra and I are trying to figure out how to be married and, and love God and, and lead a family and we didn't grow up in this environment, I learned this principle. Please don't miss this. Tithing is being obedient to God. Giving above the tithe is being generous. I'm going to say it again. Tithing is being obedient to God, but giving above the tithe is being generous. And the second question that we ask, so we say, what is for worship? The second question is we say, what are for the needs that we have? We all have needs. And then the third question is, what is for wants? Anybody ever wanted something before? You don't have to feel guilty for wanting things. Like it's okay. But what happens is there's a problem when our wants go before our worship. And there's been years of my life that I got those three questions out of order and my focus was all on Seth and it wasn't on the Lord. Proverbs 11, I love this in verse 24 through 25. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed and those who help others are Helped. I, I was laughing as I was writing this sermon because uh, that word stingy in there, in our, back in our, my college ministry days, one of my buddies was praying over the giving and, you know, just leading during that time of worship. And he read stingy instead of stingy. He said, and don't be stingy. And he was like, actually, I didn't say stinky. I said, st and he really went for it. He's like, I said stingy. And I'm like, dude, just back out of it. It's, you know, and he kept talking about, you ever been stung before? I was like, dude, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> Write this down. The tithe is a heart issue. 
The, the tithe is a heart issue, and, and I want you to wrestle with the Lord with this. I love what Malachi 3 says. If you've been around church for an amount of time, you've probably heard this scripture. Uh, verse 8, it says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Uh, yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Everybody say, test me. Y'all ever told your kids, test me? Did they ever follow through on it? <laughs> but he's saying, somebody say, yep. <laughs> he's saying, test me in this. He's, he's inviting you in to test him in being obedient and being generous. I love this. It, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for you to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Listen, there's been times in my life where I have completely bombed it when it comes to this topic. And I can tell you with confidence today that if you will trust the Lord and test him in this, that he is always faithful to his word. He's always faithful to his word. The principle of tithing is talked about 41 times specifically in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. This isn't a new idea. Uh, some people, they say, well, Seth, are y'all a prosperity church? We're not a prosperity church. We're also not a poverty church. We are a provision church. That's what we believe, that God is our provider. Can I have an amen? Some of you may have grown up with prosperity preachings. That's not us. Some of you may have grow, grown up with poverty preaching that you should have absolutely nothing in your life. That's not us either. We believe that God is our provider and he's a man of his word. He will do what he says. He says, test me. Let me tell you this. If God says, test me, your boy gonna test him. I'm gonna test him in this. The tithe can be seen simply as a test of where your heart is at. You bring the tithe into the storehouse, is what Malachi says. Everybody say, bring it. Chill out, chill out. But this is what you need to know. If you don't bring it immediately and you start staring at it, you'll start wanting that very thing. I almost grabbed the big apple. We're gonna grab the small one. If you start staring at the tithe and you're like, ah, I've got 10% in my pocket. I'm gonna bring it to God's house. But here's the thing. If you're anything like me, if you, if you hold on to that long enough, you're gonna find a lot of things you could do with that extra 10%. Are y'all with me? This is what it looks like. You got the 10%, you're ready to go sow into the kingdom of God and you start looking at it and you're like, you know what, that looks really good. This is probably what Adam and Eve felt like back in the day with that apple. Oh, that looks really good. You know what, I was looking at this sale. I could really use some new tools. And so, that tastes really good. And on my way home from the tool shop, I'm gonna go to Wright's Barbecue because that's from God for sure. <laughs> it's a juicy apple. And I get home and I'm like, you know, Zane's got T-ball coming up. Sports these days are super expensive. It's ridiculous. I gotta buy his T-ball stuff. Haven is wanting to do karate, which is really intimidating. You gotta get some stuff for that. It's really scary. 
Kendra wants some clothes. I love Facebook Marketplace. It's from the Lord. Just say the seed. <clears throat> We've got a vacation coming up. And this is what happens. I just want to paint a picture. I'm not trying to be extreme. Actually, I am. <laughs> that apple was so juicy. <laughs> we end up coming into God's house. And please hear me. I'm not trying to condemn. I pray that God would convict our hearts and that we would be bold to test him in what he says. But we come to God with this. You can have that. And I spent years of my life doing that, and I'm telling you, God is still faithful and he can bless it, but he would rather bless someone who is faithful to his word. And this is what I'm challenging you to do. It's very simple today. It is so simple. Your time, your talent, and your treasure God wants to use all of it to bring himself glory. And I want to publicly apologize to you if maybe somebody misrepresented that principle to you. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry if there was hurt in the past. I'm telling you, I'm so sorry about it. But when I read the word of God, this is what I go back to. And I can tell you as a sinful, selfish person, that if I don't prioritize the giving of my time and my talents and my treasure, God doesn't really have me. He doesn't have my heart for, for years of my life, a lot like that apple. I gave God the rest instead of the best of what I had. And I just want to challenge you this morning. Please hear my heart in this. I want to challenge you to give God your first and your best. With your time, I double dog dare you to give him the first of your day and the rest of your day, but definitely the first of it. What would happen if you say, God, I've got these strengths and these abilities and I wanna use these things to serve the church, to build your kingdom instead of my own. And what if we just said, hey, I'm gonna take this little, I love the story about the widow in the Bible that takes the little mites and she drops it. A lot of theologians believe that it dropped in this tin container and it made noise as the coins dropped in. And I tell you this, it may not have made a lot of noise that day on earth, but it made a lot of noise in heaven. So maybe you're thinking, well, I don't have a lot to do. I don't have a lot to get. I'm telling you, God can take little and can do a lot with it. It's a, it's a biblical principle and this is who he is. It'll all be worth it in the end. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 through 5, this is what it says. This is talking about the future, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Some of you are like, yeah. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying his power. Would y'all agree that's the time that we're in today? And these are all temptations for all of us, but this is how the story ends. There's good news. Verse 24, then the man who received one bag of gold, he came and Master, he said, I, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathered where you have not scattered seed. What does he say? He says, I was afraid. I was afraid, and so I went out and hid your gold in the ground. And this jumped off the page to me. He was scared, and he buried what God gave him out of 
fear, which led me to this point. A misunderstanding of the master led to the misstewarding of the master's resources. When you have a misunderstanding of who your master is, who your God is, what he's capable of doing in your life, when you don't understand him and you view him as a harsh, mean, angry God that wants revenge, you have a misunderstanding of our loving father in heaven. And this is what this guy did. He misunderstood, so he missed My heart for us this morning, church, is that we would spend the rest of our days, if you, maybe you've never done any of this, that you would surrender your life to Christ and you would build his kingdom instead of your own. I love this, that we would build instead of burying. That we would build God's kingdom instead of burying the blessings that God has given to us. If you would close your eyes across the room, I wanna pray for you.